I thought we would talk a little bit about something in particular uh, in this week's uh, Torah portion, uh, which kind of um, stuck out to me. I, I wrote the Darash uh, about it, actually. Uh, but I wanted to go into a little bit uh, more detail on it and how, how it really is a challenge to us, especially as we approach a uh, new year. And, uh, of course, this is the last Torah portion of uh, Bereshit, and that's kind of poignant, isn't it? That we come to the end of, uh, it's a new year, and we're moving from Israel as a family to Israel as a nation, you know? Uh, that's uh, basically what happens as we come to the end of Bereshit, the end of Genesis, uh, and uh, move into Exodus. So uh, in chapter uh, uh, 48, uh, this is where uh, Jacob blesses Joseph's children. And there's two parts to it. One part, interestingly enough, is called the blessing of Joseph. And the other part is the blessing on Joseph's children. So what I wanted to focus on was one part of the first part, the blessing to Joseph. And that is found in um, verse uh, 15 and 16 of uh, Genesis 48. Okay? Verse 15 and 16. Now, I'll just say coming attractions. Next week, we'll be back in the book of Acts. But since it is uh, January 2nd, I thought this would, might be uh, uh, somewhat appropriate for us and, and helpful and encouraging to us. It says in verse 15, and he blessed Joseph, okay, and said, The God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked, the God who has been my shepherd all the days of my life, or all of my life to this day. By the way, this is the first place in the Bible where God is referred to as a shepherd, just, just so you know, okay? Uh, and it is something how Jacob, after everything that's happened, he calls God his shepherd. And that kind of reminds us of Psalm 23. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, as David wrote. Uh, and here, uh, Jacob is the one saying that. Okay. Now notice it, uh, in verse 16, it says, The angel who has redeemed me from all evil... Now, I could pause there and talk all about that. Isn't that interesting uh, that he uses the word angel uh, and God here? Oh, you must come on Sunday night. You'll get that all figured out, okay? Uh, and, uh, and so clearly God reveals himself in varieties of ways. All right. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. So now, that first line, by the way, of verse 16, to read it real well, should really have been like the end of verse 15. You know, remember, there were no verses, uh, you know, at the beginning. So it's sort of like it says here, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all the days of my life, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Those three lines is like a Hebrew parallelism. You know, uh, in a sense, saying the same thing three different ways. So it's just kind of interesting, the terminology used. All right. But the point I wanted to uh, um, focus on was what comes after it. Bless 
the lads, the young boys. Bless the young boys. And may my name live on in them and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Jacob says, may my name live on in them and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. That is, a, that is a very interesting thing to say. May my name and my father's name and my grandfather's name live on in them. Now, you know that in, uh, in Judaism today, uh, there is a tradition of naming children after deceased loved ones. Uh, you don't have too many juniors in uh, the Jewish world. You know, like, uh, you know, like when my uh, two sons were born, there was no thought of like, uh, you know, Howard Jr., right? And of course, if they were listening to today, they'd say, thank God for that, right? But um, uh, you don't have too many juniors. But what you do is you have children named after grandparents, great-grandparents, deceased loved ones. Uh, and that is an understanding of how in the Jewish world, of uh, how a, uh, a person's name lives on, right? I mean, someone goes so far as to say that is the Jewish definition of, of like living eternally, uh, to go so far as to say that through my children or, or uh, you know, my great-grandchildren that I'm remembered. I myself, I, I, I'm an example of this, and, you know, most of us are, uh, I'm named after uh, my uh, grandfather who died before I was born. And his name was uh, Herschel. His name was uh, Herschel. And so he was known as Harry and I got Howard. And, uh, and then, of course, my Hebrew name uh, is Svi, which uh, was his uh, Hebrew name. Uh, and, uh, and I'm sure Marcy could say the same thing or uh, any of us, uh, Larry, I'm sure... Uh, True in your life, and Ken uh, Willens, and Jeff Rubenstein, and people I'm seeing on here, and maybe lots of people. I don't know, but in the Jewish world, that is um, uh, that is something very, very important. Like in choosing names, you know, uh, that you think deeply about not just interesting names that you like, but uh, who are my my deceased relatives. Uh, maybe that I never even met, you know? Uh, and so it's, it's a very important uh, thing, the, the naming of a child. But of course, this is speaking much more, you know, much more uh, than, uh, than that. We read the importance of names previously uh, in uh, the book of Genesis. Uh, Jacob, <laughs> right? Jacob uh, received a, a new name, Israel, which symbolized not only him, but of the relationship of his progeny with God, of the chosen people, his, his sons and their descendants, uh, you know, struggling and prevailing, struggling and prevailing. That is Israel. Uh, and uh, uh, we already talked about that story, but names are very, very uh, important. They represent who a person is. Not uh, just uh, 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 a proper noun, you know, but who a person is. 
or their destiny. Remember, we talked about that in the Darash when we talked about that name change of Jacob's destiny is in, was in his, uh, in his name, right? Now, not only the names of people, but the name of God is certainly, uh, you know, uh, is very important. That uh, becomes very uh, uh, obvious to us uh, in, uh, for example, the uh, sixth chapter of Exodus. We're familiar with it, right? When uh, God is talking to Moses and explaining who he is, to be honest with you, uh, it says uh, in verse 2 of uh, Exodus 6, God spoke further to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I did not make myself known to them. So it's not the proper noun, because the proper noun was there. yud heh is all over Breshit, okay? Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew the proper noun, okay? But what uh, God is conveying to Moses is that what what... From now on, my name is going to be uh, uh, synonymous with deliverance. My name is going to be synonymous with this collective memory that the people are going to have of being redeemed out of Egypt. And that's what he means here, uh, by my name, Lord. Uh, We read in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 12 that when the people enter the land, They're going to worship where God has placed his name. I remember in times past speaking about that and saying, you know, when you go to Israel, you know how you can uh, get uh, some tchotchkes, a a little uh, souvenir, like olive wood, everything. So, you know, uh, uh, some might think, oh, like the name uh, Yeshua in olive wood, God has placed somewhere in Israel. And, uh, you know, and if we can search around and find it behind a rock, that must be the place. No. When it says where my name dwells means where the presence of God is, where, I, where all that God is dwells. I, and so the name of God is not so much, I, you know, the pronunciation or how you spell it, but it is, it's who he is, his presence, his person. I, and, and so on. We could say that, the, you know, this would not be wrong. We usually don't say this this way, but... We can say the name of the Lord dwells within us. The name of the Lord dwells. We usually don't say that. And we just say the Lord dwells within us. But it would not be wrong to say the name of the Lord dwells uh, within us. So name is, uh, you know, is uh, very, very, uh, is very important uh, uh, to us. Now, uh, you know, um, very interestingly, uh, when, when we look at this passage and he says, my name, you know, my, my name, my father's name, and my grandfather's name, clearly what uh, Jacob is talking about is, you know, the, the covenant relationship, uh, the obligations and promises of uh, the covenant that God made with Abraham and then passed it down to Isaac and to Jacob uh, you know, and to Jacob's uh, 12 sons. Now, also what uh, Jacob is doing here, he is elevating Manasseh and uh, Ephraim from being grandchildren 
to being as if sons. When he says, my name be upon them, uh, this was, uh, in that world, this was terminology used uh, when uh, you would adopt. It's kind of interesting. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, Jacob takes uh, uh, Menashe and Ephraim like for himself. So when he says, my, may my name uh, and my father's name and my grandfather's name uh, uh, live on, he's talking about you know, the, the covenant relationship and treating them as his own sons and uh, passing this promise on, on to, to them. Uh, and so, now, so a question would be, uh, you know, so what, is the, what did this mean to them? Uh, and what does it mean uh, uh, to us? Well, we know as we read on uh, through the scriptures that Ephraim and Manasseh were treated just like the other uh, sons of Jacob. Uh, and when the inheritance, when you come to the book of Joshua and the inheritance was distributed, an inheritance, you don't read that an inheritance was given to Joseph, the tribe of Joseph. You don't even read it. It sounds odd to your ears, even. The tribe of Joseph. No, it's the tribe of Manasseh, the tribe of Ephraim. And so uh, out of Joseph comes two tribes. Isn't that interesting? Out of Joseph comes two tribes, Manasseh uh, and uh, Ephraim. Uh, and so in this way, in the receiving of the inheritance, uh, they, uh, they receive uh, the name of their grandfather, uh, Jacob and their great grandfather and their great great grandfather, uh, and uh, uh, but we know that it has a lot more to do than only uh, inheritance. Uh, it has to do with a calling. It has to do with a destiny. The sons of uh, Jacob, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, the, to perpetuate the name of uh, the forefathers meant to recognize that they were part of a past history uh, which leads to a future, uh, that they were called to be a light to the nations. They were called to live out a, a Torah way of life in a land that God gave. Uh, God gave this promise initially to Abraham. And uh, as we have said in the past, Abraham never lived to see all of it take place, but we could say that Abraham lives, so to speak, through Isaac and Jacob and the 12 sons of Jacob uh, and the descendants uh, of, of Israel. Uh, and that, you know, there is a, a covenant relationship there, right? So how does that uh, relate uh, to us? Well, uh, Jonathan Sachs, uh, who we also lost this past year, was a prolific writer, and uh, he wrote a book uh, called Radical Then, Radical Now. And then uh, he, re, uh, he reissued the book later on uh, with a different title, with a, uh, a title called A Letter in the Scroll. Uh, a Letter in the Scroll. Okay? Uh, and uh, that is a, uh, a little phrase uh, that uh, comes from the, the uh, 1700s, the Baal Shem Tov, uh, the, uh, the um, father of the Hasidic uh, uh, movement, actually, kind of a mystical uh, man. And, 
And uh, to paraphrase the idea of what it means to be a letter in the scroll uh, is that the, the Torah, as we, we read it uh, today, uh, is indeed a, uh, a holy book, right? Uh, and, uh, and it's made up of letters, words, sentences, paragraphs, but it gives us really the vision and way of life and, and calling uh, uh, for us. Uh, and, uh, and so we know that uh, when letters are connected to each other, they form words. Letters that are just like, like uh, uh, you know, the, um, I remember this when my kids were little, teaching them uh, their letters and how to spell. You'd have these letters with little magnets on the back, right? Uh, and you try to form words. But usually it ends up like a jumble of letters all over the place, right? Uh, and a jumble of letters doesn't mean anything. Like just individualized letters, letters just doing whatever they want to do out there. Uh, it doesn't really do anything for us, right? You can't understand anything, right? But when letters are connected in an orderly way, right, they form words. And then when words get connected, they form sentences. And when sentences get connected, they form paragraphs and tell a story, right? Uh, and so what the Baal Shem Tov and what, um, what Jonathan Sachs is trying to get across uh, in his book, A Letter in the Scroll, is uh, that there is a story, and it began uh, with Abraham. And that story uh, continues through the Bible, and it continues to this day. Uh, and that we are all a letter in the scroll. And that we need to recognize that we're part of something, as we like to say, something larger than ourselves. Uh, and that there is a story, and that the story continues, and that we are part of the story. The story is not over, and our own lives are part of the formation of words, sentences, paragraphs that tell a story. What that means is, is that we have a responsibility and obligation to know where we come from so that we, when, so that we know where it is, uh, indeed, that we're going, right? Uh, and that we therefore have, this is what we mean in a way when we say we have a sense of calling. We have a sense of calling. It's not just me and God and, and I have a calling, but a calling as, you know, part of a, a part of a people. In our Western world and Western way of thinking, uh, we think very, very much, more than we uh, would ever acknowledge, that we uh, are individuals. And that when I come to, for example, when I come to know the Lord, I've come to know the Lord. God has a plan for my life, uh, calling on my life uh, as, as an individual. What we don't realize is that far more important than that, is the fact that we are called to be part of, you know, a community of uh, people who know God and fulfill that calling. Now, this is the calling of Israel, but we know that as the remnant of Israel and as, uh, you know, Jews and Gentiles who embrace Yeshua, we enter into a calling that began 
a long time ago, right? Uh, and uh, we find our uh, encouragement from uh, understanding how God related to those people. Uh, we find uh, uh, the promises uh, and the promise of the future. Uh, and so it's so important, you know, that we recognize, uh, you know, that we are part of that. And so how do we live out, how do the names of our ancestors live on, uh, you know, live on in our lives? Well, certainly by memory, by, by reading about it uh, and, and all that, but there's a, there is a, a very much a, uh, an everyday way of, of uh, living this out. And that is, and it was very interesting that I didn't have to say this, but uh, at Eve's, uh, at Eve Harris's uh, service, one of her children said this, that, uh, you know, th this person said, you know, our mother still lives. She's still alive. Uh, and, uh, and, and what she meant by that was, is that every time we, do something, you know, righteous or moral or devoted to family or whatever they were talking about, you know, it reminds us of our mother and her name lives on by the way that we conduct ourselves. You know, and, and if you've attended a, a, a funeral that I've conducted, you know, at one point we always talk about legacy, you know, uh, what does a person leave? And it's more than uh, than some kind of a will with an inheritance or something like that, but it's who they were imprinted, uh, you know, uh, on the lives of children and grandchildren and great grandchildren and, and so on. By the way, Eve had thirty great grandchildren. That's a lot. But anyway, I, I you know, and and so when we think about spiritually, certainly the Torah way of life. Uh, and as a Jewish person, customs and traditions, you know, that we have, we hand down from one generation uh, to the next. Uh, that is how the, the name, the name of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lives on. Uh, uh, and it is a, a kind of, uh, 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 kind of interesting when we, you know, when we uh, uh, think about that as uh, related to our lives, uh, you know, in the, in, in the Messiah, that uh, yes, um, you know, we read about uh, Ephraim and Manasseh, we read about we're a letter in the scroll, and uh, what we've said so far uh, is that uh, the name of, uh, you know, our spiritual ancestors uh, lives on in us via faithfulness and understanding our destiny as a people. You know, it's kind of interesting, I think, that when we think about when Jacob says, may my name live on, you know, I think we could include other people probably uh, in that godly names, you know, in the Bible, people like Joshua, uh, you know, the best of King David, we'll say, uh, and, uh, you know, and other righteous people. When you come to the Brit Hadashah, we are part of the history. See, this is very, we don't usually think of this as, as like a, a connection to uh, history and view them as spiritual ancestors. But people like uh, Peter or Paul or the apostles. Uh, and when we read about them and, and we, you know, these were 
uh, maybe not all biological ancestors, but certainly spiritual ancestors, right? We are the spiritual descendants of these people. And even, uh, even uh, later on in, in history, uh, people who really, uh, you know, people that served as martyrs or people uh, who were very courageous, we can look back on them and say, you know, their name lives on by the way that I conduct myself. So it's very important, you know, for us to, to recognize that, that understanding faithfulness and knowing that we have a destiny is very much a part of, of um, a name living on uh, in us. And then, of course, recognizing that it's not just about me. Uh, you know, we are products of Western civilization. We are products of the Enlightenment, uh, you know, and, and, and all of that. And that is where, frankly, the idea of, you know, individualism really was developed. It doesn't go all the way back. Uh, as Americans, we like the phrase rugged individualism, right? Uh, that is not exactly what the Bible teaches, right? Individualism is an ism that is not an ism from the Bible, <laughs> okay? Uh, the Bible teaches communal living. The Bible teaches that we are our brother's keeper. It's not just a nice thought. It's what it really is. And that we are actually responsible for the people around us. Now, as Messiah followers, uh, you know, we live out the name of our spiritual ancestors through all those one another passages in the Brit Hadashah. You know, there's many, many of them. Uh, you know, exhort one another, love one another, serve one another. We're brothers one of another. And in the community of Messiah followers, what that's supposed to be is a microcosm of the big picture of humanity and ultimately what all of humanity is to be. But we are to model that. See? Uh, and so when we talk about the, the name of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, uh, Joseph, Joshua, David, the prophets, Yeshua, of course, uh, Peter, uh, uh, Paul, all of them, John, uh, all of the uh, uh, apostles. Uh, what we are uh, saying then is we need to live this Torah way of life in the 21st century, which is very much about being connected to other people and serving one another. Uh, that is a, a very important part of our calling and our uh, uh, destiny. When we talk about this destiny and we talk about uh, how we are uh, to carry ourselves, you know, it's kind of interesting. We live in a world where I think that we view our, uh, how we are, our future as Messiah followers. Carrying this name on uh, has something to do with uh, maybe uh, if we gain a, a foothold of power, maybe of a political power, we'll be able to move forward in that destiny. Uh, or maybe if we develop some kind of strategy, we'll be able to be victorious in that destiny. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, in Isaiah chapter 30, 
In Isaiah chapter 30, there's a great line here that I think is so uh, applicable in many ways. In Isaiah 30, it says, Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan, but not mine. You know, and, and who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, in order to add sin to sin, who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me, to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh, and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Now that is a play on words, right, of Psalm 91. When you read, take refuge, seek shelter in the shadow, I, we know that in Psalm 91, that's God. What uh, Hezekiah, actually this was written to him, uh, uh, was uh, doing was actually trying to come up with a strategy of making an alliance with Egypt against, uh, uh, not, uh, I'm sorry, not Hezekiah, Ahaz. Ahaz, I want to get that right. Uh, against Assyria. Uh, in other words, uh, you know, the, executing a plan was a strategy uh, uh, basically a political strategy to make sure we have a foothold in the land where God says, you know, the, the problem is it's not, that's not my plan. If you jump all the way down to verse 15 in that chapter, it says, for thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, in repentance and rest you shall be delivered. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you are not willing and you said, no, for we will flee on horses, you know, and uh, we, will, we will ride on swift horses. Uh, and, uh, you know, it reminds us of the passage, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we'll trust in the what? In the name of the Lord, our God. Uh, and so I think what, you know, what we need to remember as we enter this new year and we think about this destiny that we have, carrying on the name of our spiritual ancestors, uh, carrying on the name of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It means that we as individuals and communally need to live in a way that demonstrates covenant relationship with God. You know, um, I... I have a quote here, and if I can find it, that would be a real miraculous and wonderful thing. Yes, there's a famous rabbi. His name is uh, Israel Salanter. Uh, you might have heard of him, actually. He, um, I, um, he uh, had a lot to do with the uh, development of spiritual traits, working on developing spiritual traits. Musar, okay? Uh, Musar. Uh, and, uh, but he said this, when I was young, I wanted to change the world. I tried, but the world did not change. So I concentrated on changing my town, but my town did not change. Then I turned to my family, but my family did not change. Then I realized that I must change myself. Uh, and you know, what a great statement, of course, and that, that makes a lot of sense. When you think about Musar, Musar is about developing these godly traits uh, within ourselves, and that is indeed how the world uh, gets changed. And if we all thought that way and all really focused on you know, spiritual disciplines, 
and really being serious about those things, all of us, all together, what a difference uh, the, world would, the world would be. But we tend to be very much preoccupied uh, with power, with, uh, you know, um, personal rights and issues of, the, of that nature. Uh, but if we were all really concerned about all these things, we would see, uh, you know, real, uh, real change. We are called to live in the way that God would have us be. So, you know, in closing, Paul talks about this kind of thing in, uh, you know, in the book of uh, Philippians, uh, where he says, uh, where he says this in uh, chapter, uh, in chapter two, uh, after the real famous passage, you know, about uh, do nothing from uh, uh, selfishness and empty conceit and be like Messiah and so on. After that, it says in verse 12, so then my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He's saying that to all of them not just to us all as individuals. God is working out, you know, what he would have for this world through us. The question is, are we going to cooperate with him? Do all things without grumbling or disputing. I'll repeat that one. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that, the day of, so that in the day of Messiah I may have cause to glory, because I did not run in vain nor toil in vain. And so the gist of what he's saying is, don't be grumbling. Don't be disputing. Don't be a whiner. Don't be complaining, okay? So that you can show yourself blameless, innocent, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. The world is in darkness. We are children of light. When you live as children of light, you're going to be different. And it's interesting that... Um, uh, Rabbi Sachs, back in this book, A Letter in the Scroll, talks about the calling of Abraham. Uh, and he says, you know, Abraham was called to leave, leave everything behind and begin a journey, right? And that concept of journey is very important because what Abraham was called to ultimately be along with Sarah and along with Isaac, you know, and Jacob and so on and so forth, was to be different than the world around them was to be different morally and ethically uh, than the world around them, to be radical. That's why the original name of the book was called Radical Then, Radical Now, meaning our ancestors were radicals, Abraham, Isaac, and J Jacob. If we're going to take their name upon us, we need to live radically, radically in our morality, radically in our ethics, radically in the way we conduct ourselves. Uh, as, uh, as a community. And of course, it, we're on a continuum. We, you know, when you look at ourselves right now, we could say, well, I don't know, are we there? Well, hopefully we're better than we were, but we still have a ways to go because we are part of a past 
and part of the future. You know, in Isaiah 51, it says, Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah your mother. Look to Abraham your father and Sarah your mother. We need to look back and understand that. Uh, you know, uh, and I'm not just talking about if we're Jewish, but if we embrace Yeshua, we become part of this legacy. We become part of this story. And we are indeed part of a story. And, uh, you know, I wrote in the, uh, uh, in the Darash uh, uh, a couple of quotes from the, uh, a couple of quotes from the book. And here it is. Oh, okay. So, you know, he says this. Uh, in the book, he writes to Jewish young people and answers the question of why one should remain Jewish. And what he was motivated uh, by was his own children. Very, very interesting. Uh, he writes, we have inherited the book of our ancestors. Uh, we yes, we have inherited uh, the book our ancestors wrote. And there is a letter that only we can write. I am a Jew because knowing the story of my people, I hear their call to write the next chapter. In the preface to the book, Sachs writes that he gave the manuscript for the book to his son and daughter-in-law on their wedding day. At the end of the prologue, he says that he cannot tell his children or grandchildren what they should be, only that they can make that choice. And then he writes but I can tell them where we came from and where our ancestors were traveling to and why it was important to them that their children should carry on the journey. This is our story, unfinished yet, and there is a chapter that only they can write. I would suggest that's not only true of us ethnically as Jewish people, but it is also true of us spiritually. Spiritually, we see ourselves just as I came to know Messiah. And so I need to live a certain kind of life so that I can serve God. We need to think about, we need to inculcate to our children about knowing the Lord and living that way and embracing Messiah. Uh, yes, it is a choice that they have to make to continue, but they need to know that, that their parents are part of a story and not only biological parents. Maybe you're here today uh, and you're saying, well, I don't have the children or grandchildren that I can inculcate these truths to, but there are plenty of other people uh, that you can, uh, you can inculcate the name of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, and Joseph, and Yeshua, and Peter, and Paul, and John, and, and all of them. And of course, uh, in Yeshua, when we embrace him, we become spiritually connected to the name. We become spiritually connected. Uh, and uh, may we, as we enter this new year, really think about that, that there's a mantle that I have that's been given to me, whether I like it or not. There's a mantle that I have. When I embraced Yeshua, I embraced an entire history, an entire calling, and an entire future. And I'm part of that. And, uh, you know, and that should give us great hope for the future, but also you know, a sense of meaning and significance. Yes, each of us is a letter in 
the scroll. Each of us uh, is part of new sentences and paragraphs and chapters of the story of God in this world. May we take that mantle and may we run with it uh, in this new year. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, uh, I pray, Lord, that we would see ourselves as part of the story, Lord, and uh, that we would understand how to carry it forward. And that carrying it forward is in the way that we live, in the way we conduct ourselves, in being above reproach, in serving you and walking with you. Lord, and may I, the people around us catch that vision and live that way. May we inculcate it to our youth in our congregation, to our youth in our houses, to children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, to people that we know, to whoever it may be. Lord, I pray that we would all take that responsibility and really be focused on that and not let our energy get sucked out by all other things swirling around us. Lord, we will end up with a sense of satisfaction knowing that we are carrying on the name. Lord, just as we may uh, carry on our, our family name, you know, or the traits of moms and dads who we love so well, may we carry on the, the way of life, walking in the way of the Lord that Abraham did and Isaac did and Jacob did. It was a radical way of life then. It is a radical way of life now. Lord, thank you for that vision Thank you for that significance to our lives. Thank you for the glorious future. Lord, we don't know when that day is. Not that we have already attained it, but we press on. We press on in order that we may lay hold of that which we have been laid hold of by, and that is Messiah Yeshua. Let us move forward and uh, Lord, may we serve you all the days of our life. We pray in Yeshua's name.